The Path of Resistance podcast is the podcast for people wanting to learn how living life with intentionality can lead us to living our best lives. In today's world, the norm is to follow the path of least resistance, which leads to mediocrity at best. Instead, you should strive to take the path of resistance, knowing that what's to come is sweeter than what you ever could have imagined. I'm your host, Carly Welty. Join me as I interview guests who have taken the path of resistance in all areas of life and are here to share the beauty that has brought them. On this journey, you can expect to hear stories about finances, faith, business, mindset, and anything in between. Let's dive in. Hey guys, today I'm talking with Katie Farrow, my bookkeeping business coach. This episode gets a little long, but you should really listen all the way to the end because it gets good. At the end, Katie wraps it up with a nice little bow talking about how we are all so much bigger and how we have so much more potential than we think possible. But anyways, to further introduce Katie, she created her own bookkeeping company and alongside running that business, she also helps other people start a bookkeeping business of their own. Cue her and I working together at the beginning of this year. If any listeners are aspiring to become bookkeepers, I highly recommend going through one or both of Katie's programs. Her first course is called Become a Bookkeeper, aka Babs, and teaches you all the skills it takes to, hence the name, become a bookkeeper. The course I took from her is called Life by the Books, or aka Libby, and teaches you how to build a bookkeeping business if you already have the bookkeeping skills. So without further ado, let's dive in. Katie, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. You are my bookkeeping coach and just such an inspiration to me. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited too. So I'm going to start you off with the same question I start everyone off with, which is what is the time you took the path of resistance, which led to a more beautiful result than taking the path of least resistance? Jeez. Um, I feel like I take the path of resistance a lot lately and that, and that, that was a big shift after taking the path of least resistance. Like I followed the path for a long time and then one day looked up and realized it wasn't leading me to a place I wanted to go. Um, and then I continued to try to pretend that it was all good um, until God stepped in and kind of pushed me on another path. And then from there, it became a flex of realizing that I think for me, the thing is not so much the path, but like where you're trying to go, right? So knowing what the end is in sight. And so the story that I'm talking about is exiting corporate. So I, I always say, so on the path, you know, right, the path that everyone tells you to be on head down, mouth shut, just doing the thing, taking the next step and the next step. I feel like that's exactly what it was like. Like I was just looking down and there were like pavers and I was like making sure that I didn't fall into the grass, you know? So it was just like one foot and then the next and then the next. And like, you didn't see the next until you were already on it. Right. So all of those steps for me were like going to school, getting straight A's, getting a job, saving some money. Um, I was class president, you know, had a couple of jobs, went to college, picked accounting because I knew that I would be good at it. Um, Finished with that, got a corporate job, went and got my master's, took the CPA exam, passed that, went to a CPA firm came back a manager at a multi-billion dollar company at 29. Cool. Awesome. Took all the steps. Now I'm feeling like I can just relax a little bit. Um, (laughs) And at the same time, I'm 29 and pregnant with my first son. Yay. Like all the things are coming together. Right. And all of a sudden, like for the first time, and it still shocks me every time I tell the story, I'm like, It sounds so ridiculous that I knew I wanted to be a mom and I was following this corporate path and it took until I got pregnant for me to go, how do these things work together? You know, and, and so I was thinking that, but suppressing that thought, I don't even think I was verbalizing that. I don't think that I said it to anyone and I don't think that I let myself think about it too long because I didn't see another way. Um, but when I was halfway through my pregnancy with my son, I was on my way to work, which for me was an hour commute each way at like on a good day, it's 30 miles in rush hour traffic in South Florida. And so if, if I got in the car at eight, I might be there at nine, but most times there would be an accident or something going on. And I would be there late. I actually had this like standing thing with my boss, who was a great man and would tell him, look, if I'm not here by nine 30, then start getting concerned. But otherwise I'm just trying to like 
look up your phone number and text or call you to let you know that I'm going to be late. And it doesn't matter how early I leave. Like it just takes longer to get to work unless I leave at six or seven. And I just am not a morning person. And I could not get that done. Right. Even without kids, I couldn't get that done to like get to work on time because my commute was an hour at a minimum each way. So I'm on this commute to work and, um, I got in a car accident, a four car car accident. I was the third of four cars. Um, it was really like unavoidable and it wasn't that bad of an accident because it was rush hour and we weren't moving that fast, but the van was like, I had drove it off the lot used 10 days before. So there I am pregnant with my first kid in this minivan that like, I want to shuffle around three kids in like, this is, I all, I already knew I was going to have three kids, which I have now. And I was building like a life for that already. I bought a four bedroom house. I got a double stroller with my first kid anticipating there would be another. And I, you know, I got this minivan and then there I am sandwiched between two cars on my way to this job that I have been suppressing the thought, how can I do this and become a mom? And I'm just rattled, right? I, of course I was worrying about like the impact in the baby, but it, it wasn't that bad of an accident. So the thing that really had me like broken down sobbing on the side of the road was that real realization that like, for me, I really couldn't see now. How are these things going to work? It was like, I can't keep silencing this thought because this commute by itself is dangerous and unrealistic. And this is pre 2020, this is 2015, right? So like in those days, everybody was commuting to work and um, like they weren't going to make a special accommodation for me at a very big corporate job to let me work from home just because I'm pregnant. There were lots of working moms, you know, so somehow they were getting the job done. And so I'm there like, I just, I didn't want to leave, you know, I didn't want to, to change that job or that career. I had no intentions of what came after that, which is like, starting a bookkeeping business from home and now teaching others how to do the same and now teaching the skill of bookkeeping. That was so, it wasn't even a remote, like I, I talk about my kids, like you were a glimmer in my eye. Like these things were not even a glimmer in my eye. They were not dreams. I wasn't fantasizing about that. I liked my job. I didn't want to disappoint my boss, but I just couldn't see how I could do it. And so the, the next day, um, well, first my boss was like, take the day off take tomorrow off. It was a Thursday. <laughs> it's so crazy because I remember the exact day and it was September 2nd, 2015. It was a Thursday. And he's like, just go and make sure you're okay. And I was just such a mess that he's like, take tomorrow off. Like you don't need to come in. And it was on that Friday where I was just trying to pull myself back together that the company, and he didn't even know this, the company announced, like they had this big like town hall meeting, you know, it was very corporate. So they had a town hall meeting announcing this voluntary separation incentive plan. They called it a VSIP. And um, the package essentially was for people who had worked for the company for five years or more. And you had the option to take the package and take this bonus um, and a 12 week severance. And, um, I'm doing the math. It was 36% of my salary as a bonus and 12 weeks severance. So it was very generous. You know, it was a very generous package. It was more money than anybody had ever offered me at one time. Um, and, and it was an option. So like I got to make the choice to take it and leave, but I knew I was leaving my career behind. So I was selling my career for, you know, about what would that be? <laughs> I could do the math on that, but like, let's say 75% of an annual salary, right? My annual salary. I was selling my career for 75% of my annual salary. So that was still a hard decision to make because I had always worked. I've worked since I was um, 15 years old. So I don't know, like allowing anyone to support me. I'm still very bad at that. Um, and so that wasn't like, uh, that was not an easy decision for me, but how could you ignore that push, right? Like those two things and not just a little car accident, but like the third and a four car accident. I didn't cause it. I couldn't avoid it. Um, and it was like just rattling me to like wake up to how unrealistic this was given how I wanted to live my life with my kids. Um, and then the very next day while I'm at home, you're telling me, like, I, I actually didn't even believe it until the paper came in my name. Like my boss told me about it Friday and I'm like trying to process that. And I didn't believe it until I saw it in black and white. And then I don't know how long it took for me to make that decision. I feel like it might've taken a week 
Like, I don't know how long we had to sit with that and process it, but like some people took it and some people didn't, right? And so I think this is like the part of resistance or least resistance. Like, sure, it sounds awesome to be paid and and have like a way out a little bit or at least a cushion, like a parachute while being pushed out of a building. But it was still hard and a lot of people chose to stay because they didn't know what they would do after. So even with a six month on ramp or whatever that would be, it was still scary. Um, so yeah, that was the point where where I did something I would not typically do. And then it was the absolute catalyst to everything that happened next. None of this would have happened if those two things hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. You kind of answered the question before I asked it. And I wanted to talk about how you talked about suppressing that feeling. And that's like, subconscious, right? A lot of people have those feelings that they just continue to suppress, but you decided to consciously make a decision about it. But this thing, <laughs> this yeah, thing no. that helped you do that is the the car accident, right? Like the car accident and like it all happening at once, the offer to get paid to leave your job. So my question was going to be, would that have happened without the car accident, without the offer? But I think you kind of answered that and saying, not really. <laughs> it, it had to be all three things at once. I had to be pregnant, rattled and paid. So you're saying that like I chose to listen to it. I'm not sure that I was even aware. I think it's like I do this and I I say this like people get bothered by the sounds of dogs barking and I'm not even like a huge dog person to be honest but like if my neighbor has a yapping dog it's it's ambient background noise to me. Like somebody will have to point it out for me to hear that. So I feel like it was like the next door neighbor's dog yapping. Like when you point it out to me I'll hear it. But before that, I'm not hearing it. So I feel like that's what that voice was that was saying, how are you going to do this? Because I think every time that that thought, and and look, we talk about this, like you're in my program, but at this Mm -hmm. point I coach and mentor people to do the thing that I had to be literally pushed to do. Um, Because I didn't even allow myself to dream it. I didn't know it was possible. And I only found out it was possible through a unique set of circumstances that were fortunate circumstances that were very aligned that made me go, oh my gosh, like you can really have a life and you don't have to sell your entire existence to a corporate job. I didn't know. So like I scream that now to let people know that that's possible. And we talk we talk through this listening to your thoughts thing a lot in Life by the Books, right? Like it's something that I say, pay attention to your thoughts. And the reason that I say that so much is because I spent 29 years not hearing the voice in my own head. Like that makes me like kind of tear up because I don't know how long I would have continued to do that. And I think there's a lot of things that play that with that and it's being human and it's being like female and like whatever. We are a compliant species, right? And if we're bookkeepers, accountants, and young women, we're going to be more compliant, more likely to suck it up, be a good girl, not ruffle feathers, not disappoint people. So if our thoughts are screaming, you don't want this, we're going to say, shh, shh, you don't want to get us in trouble, right? And so I think that voice was going, how are you going to do this? And then I immediately shut it down, like subconsciously unaware and said, look around you. Like, that woman is a mom, that woman is a mom, that woman is a mom, and she looks happy. She's smiling today. There's got to be a way to make this work. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, so I didn't have that model in my house. And maybe that was part of the the disconnect of, like, I wanted to recreate what I had, and yet I was seeing, like, this different picture, and I'm like, how does this work? But I just kept telling myself, it must, because they do it. To be honest now, when I think about looking at them, I get chills, too, because I'm like, God, they just put on a face. There's no way that that's easy. I don't care if they have like the most supportive husband. I don't care if they have a stay at home dad, right? Like, I don't, I don't care if everything is nice and supported. It is still not easy to be a mom and go into a corporate job and do the nine to five, which for us, you know, I'm talking about like, if I got on the road at eight, I was late. So I was stressed and leaving at eight and I wasn't getting home until 630. That's not a nine to five. And that's without kids. That's with the luxury of brushing my teeth and getting dressed at the same time, which is the kind of stuff that I did and not having (laughs) anybody to bathe or feed. But I knew like, I mean, I'm smart enough. Everybody has to figure out I, I can't even get myself up in the morning. So like 
I would struggle getting a, a child ready and then off to daycare. Like, what am I going to wake up at 5 a.m., you know? And then I'm going to miss bedtime, bath time. And if they get into school, I'm not even going to be able to pick them up from school or help them with homework. Like, and so, or take them to baseball games without feeling guilty. And so I, I looked around for the evidence that that thing that I didn't think was possible was possible because other people were doing it and they seemed happy. But in hindsight, I want to hug them because I know that they were just putting on a face because no one except for that subset of people, the working moms would be the only ones who understood working moms. I wouldn't. So why would they tell me? And they're not going to tell like their male counterparts are just not going to get it, you know? So I mm -hmm. think that they did a lot of like suffering and putting on and maybe with the same thing, the loop that said, this is hard, but, but then they might've even looked at each other and said, but she's doing it, but she's doing it, but she's doing it. And so like, I don't think I chose, I, I feel like, like, have you ever gone skydiving? Mm -hmm. Yes. So like, did you jump out of the plane willingly or did the guy strapped to your back pretty much make that call for you? Yeah, he made the call for sure. Right. So that's how I feel. I was there with the decision, but I was strapped to something on my back that pushed me out of the airplane. And I didn't know what the landing was going to be like, but I was already mid fall. That's, that's how it felt. Like I was not brave. I was not conscious. I was pushed. I'm grateful now. Um, and in the, in the moment, like mid flight, cause I would say that mid flight period for me was probably a couple of years. Um, I was able to enjoy the view and relax, you know, and like not necessarily worry about what happened next. And then with somebody, it felt like with somebody attached to my back, you know, I landed on the ground and I was like, that was kind of fun, you know, like, come on, let me show you what's possible. Now I feel like maybe I'm the tour guide, you know? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm pushing people out of the plane because I know what's on the other side. Yeah. Because you help people in this program where you're like, no, you, this is possible. And here's the courage that like, maybe I needed in that time that I got help from other, like other wise. So I'm helping you have that courage now. Would you yeah. agree with that? Or how do you kind of coach your talk about coaching your people through like quitting their job and, and how that looks for you? And for them. Yeah, I think a huge piece because, you know, th this is now almost three years old, which is incredible. Um, my baby, mm -hmm. who was two months old at the time, turns three next week. So she's like such a marker of time. She's also the thing that made me shift into bookkeeping to begin with. So it's been it's been Zoe that's been navigating the, the turns of like these programs and my, um, I guess, like service to bookkeepers, accountants, because. I mean, at the time, and I would think this is true for you too. Like I would not identify as a bookkeeper. Did you? <laughs> yeah. It's funny because we talk about it in the program, but it's like the low end of accounting. <laughs> yeah. I, it and took so, me a while to identify as a bookkeeper. So now I say bookkeepers, but then I'm like, but also accountants, right? Accountants mm -hmm. and bookkeepers and aspiring bookkeepers. Um, but in the beginning, in the beginning, it also felt like, I think one of the things that like, does come kind of naturally to me. It may take a second, but the time has condensed and how long it takes for me to listen to signs now. Like there's been enough times where the timing and the signs have been glaringly obvious and you question in your head, like, is this right? But there's been enough times where like I see them and I kind of act now. So in even helping bookkeepers, there were, there were things being pointed out to me before I felt ready. Like I didn't really feel like that was my idea to mentor bookkeepers. Like there were circumstances in that too. I, I would, I would beat that up if I told that long version, but like there were obvious signs and some resistance on my part. And then me mulling it over and saying like, okay, there's gotta be a way, right? So what is the way, how can I help? And, um, I'll be honest. I felt like it was being asked of me. And so I was doing what I felt like I could do, but it, after three years of watching other people, at what I would not consider a small scale. I think there's been a hundred people in just uh, Bob and now Libby, like those are the same program with different messaging and marketing, but the same program. So uh, about a hundred people have gone through that. And I'll say not everybody that joins ends up actually um, showing up fully and allowing me to like even fully know their story. But I know of about half of those stories, you know, very clearly and I've watched circumstances unfold in very different ways, at very different speeds, with very different circumstances, fears and, and stuff like that. 
And so I think like the way that I guide people now is by knowing that it's their journey and really trusting that like it worked out for me in my way and it's going to work out for them in their way. And I'm not trying to um, force or even interfere with that. I'm just here to help it go better, smoother, and like allow that person to probably make it happen a little bit faster for them. The same outcome I believe would probably happen, but it might take longer or it might, it might feel worse along the way. And that like ignoring the barking dog thing would go on longer without somebody saying like, there's a dog barking, you know? Like, so I feel like that's what I, what I do. And I am more like, I'm an observer in a way, but like, I feel like that's downplaying the role. It's just not, I'm not doing the thing I'm, I'm supporting and guiding. Does that make sense? Like, I trust that, that the paths are coming. And I think my trust helps them trust and helps them listen. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And now that I think of it, (laughs) I I don't know if I I feel like uh, inherently you and I are very similar, but I don't know if I got influenced by you in this fact, but like this was probably a month and a half ago. I've been in your program for probably what, five or six months. And a month and a half ago, I had this really deep conversation with my friend about she's um, taking her CPA exam and like what, you know, she's struggling with and what she, what's going to help her ultimately, like it, should she keep working full time or should she, you know, study more? Or should she hire a tutor? Like all these things. And I told her my experience and I was like, but your experience and my experience are very different. I was like, I'm just telling you all the things so that you know to you, it has to ultimately be your decision because only you know what's best for you. Like your situation and my situation are very different. And so that's so funny that you mentioned that because I feel like, like I said, I don't know if that came from you or you and I are just similar, but did you, like, that's so impactful. You know what I mean? Like, did you imagine your program having this much impact? No, no. Uh, and that's, that's kind of, now I trust myself and the program more. I knew that I could help, right? I knew that at the price and the level of support and stuff that I was offering it in the beginning, I knew that they would get more than that in value, which is really the way that I price and package my programs. Like it genuinely is what I'm thinking about. I do not want to take money and not deliver, right? I did trust myself to help whoever came, but I'll be like very honest, you know, like, so I think that there's like two parts of me. Um, There's the bookkeeper and accountant and the mentor of those. And then like, I am in the online space. Like I'm an online marketer and coach, right? So um, man, where was I going with that? Cause it had something to do with like the expectation and the pricing. And I don't know, I'm just like, my thing is, I want to make sure that I can help you, but I also like, it's like a service thing. Like I know that, that I'm there to help. Right. Like, and so mm-hmm. that is the thing that I really do. It, it's for me, it's never actually about making the sale. It's about knowing that it's right. Cause I would, and you see it like in my process, I do not want the wrong person to come in and then be unhappy. Like I, I have a strong filtration system. Oh, what I was going to say is, is in promoting the program, right? Like a lot of people that are just coaches or coaches without a strong business. Like when I started coaching, my business was, it had already surpassed my expectations. I didn't need the money. Does that make sense? I, mm-hmm. I and I didn't have the time. Okay. I had a two month old, a two year old and a not yet four year old. I had three children, three and zero. Okay. Like mm-hmm. they're very close in age. And I am not unique in my motherhood. I was inundated in motherhood. I was also going through like something that I don't say a lot at the time is my parents were in the middle of a divorce after 36 years of marriage where I never thought I would experience that. And it was to date the most traumatic thing that I had gone to through. So I was dealing with like um, family, a lot of like family nonsense, three babies. I had a business. I wasn't looking to start a coaching program. Like I just literally saw the need and I knew that I could help. And I felt like it was being asked of me. And I was like, okay, how do we do this? Right. And so it started with, and you weren't there in these days. Some people, you know, were, it started in 2019 with a Facebook group called the bookkeepers corner that at the time that I started promoting this program had 75 people in it. 
those are very low numbers. Like a group of 75 people is small. In the online space, in coaching, you're told that you can expect to convert one to 3% of your audience, right? So I'm like, I might realistically get no sales from this, but let's see, right? So when I showed up, I, I created a package I knew I could deliver based on questions I asked in that group and things that people said they were struggling about. I was doing the forms and it was very similar to the way that I do it now. I ask for feedback. I think about how I can do it. I make sure I can deliver it. I think about the value and I make sure that the program will exceed itself in value. So even if you come and you don't get what you needed, you're going to get something. I honestly think that still at like right now and prices are subject to change right now, life by the books is $2,000 and $197 a month. So your first payment's 2,200. If you didn't join Babs and then it's 197 a month. I think that if you are dabbling in, I really want a bookkeeping business enough to pay $2,200 and then you come in and you don't get results. I think it's worth the $2,200 just to have tried and messed it up, honestly. So that's the way that like I, I price these things. But anyway, six people joined, which I didn't care if any joined, right? If one joined, I would have fed into them. If nothing joined, cool, I don't have to do work, right? And if six people joined- That's a very right, high conversion rate. Yeah. <laughs> now that you amazing. said that, yeah, that is amazing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. And messy. You know, I like, to, I like to reminisce on that though, because it was so messy and it broke all the rules and it was- maybe a mulling idea for like a month before that. And then I laid down in bed and like kind of the answer came through and I talked to my coach, Katie Fleming, and she named it. Um, and the name got me excited. And then I was like, let's see what happens. And a week later I was delivering live videos in, in the booked out, uh, in the, in the bookkeepers, corner Facebook group to 75 people, like 30 people were hanging out live. 50% of my group was, was watching. That just means like sometimes, and this is why I, I still say this low numbers aren't bad numbers because sometimes those people really mean to be there, you know? So if you pretend that there's 75 people in a room, that's a lot of people, right? And if they actually consciously chose to come and you're asking them what they want you to do, and then you're doing what they want, of course, it's going to work. Right. And, but also having like, you know, this is the act in optimism, plan and pessimism thing. I, I've got 75 people I can talk to, but what's the worst case thing that happens? I go live for an hour and no one sees me. Who cares? No one saw, right? And then if nobody buys, who cares? Because I still have the bookkeeping business. Like I'm literally just, we're just going to see if this works because I feel called, honestly. And so I did those at 9 p.m. at night. In those days, my kids would like definitely be in bed at nine. Like they used to maybe go to bed at 7.30. Now their bedtime is more like nine. So I still do stuff at nine, but it's a little hairier. Um, so I did 9 p.m. lives and I didn't know that that would work for people. Like I wasn't really thinking, but most are moms are working corporate. So that time works, you know? So this time that just happened to work for me where I don't need a sitter and I, I didn't have one. <laughs> in those days, I did not have a babysitter. I'm forgetting. Three kids under three partner doesn't do anything like it's not I'm not supported by like a very active dad parents basically out you know and I'm just doing what I can when I can and I'm I'm letting it not have pressure right I could make that pressurize I can make it mean something and I could make risking getting up and talking about this bookkeeping business and nobody joining mean something but I didn't and I think that that's really the thing and that all is translatable into bookkeeping too who cares try right who cares? Think about them. It's actually not about you. And when you make it more about them, it's so much easier to show up. So that's what I did. I did three nights, one hour each. And on the third night, when I was explaining what Booked Out Bookkeeper was, Zoe was fussing and over my shoulder. She was calm when I put her over my shoulder, but there she was. Like that video's still up. You can you can go back and watch me with a baby talk about Bob. And Two people joined like immediately, that always helps. But those are kind of the people that when I was creating it, I knew that they wanted something. So like, I wasn't surprised that they bought and then that kind of spreads momentum. And then another one was Karen who went to um, my master's program with me. So I had two people that I knew were paying attention. One person, she surprised me because she's a friend. So like, you know, people will say that they expect their friends or family to support their business. I don't. <laughs> I think they're probably less likely to buy because you've got that friend dynamic. So when she was not only interested, but joined and paid, like that was a very high honor to me. And then three more people that I just didn't even know. Um, so that was also 
like cool. But all of this to say, six people joined a program. And for me, that was a very big number. And then I was just so excited because they trusted me that that was like a back and forth thing. And then we were able to do this live, which has not yet been able to be recreated in that level of intimacy, you know, because it's just something about that like first time thing. They blew my mind. And I would attribute a lot of the success of this program to date to what they did. They showed up, they trusted, they were brave. And there's this like note that I have um, in my notes app, which says like, be the success story that you wish to see. I have not recorded that podcast yet, but like they weren't looking for external proof or maybe they used me as the marker of like, she did it, so can I. But they didn't need to see that I had done this for other people on a grand scale. They led the way. If they hadn't joined and they hadn't showed up and they hadn't done the job and, you know, they hadn't done what they did, I really don't think that that this program would be here because I would have tried and it wouldn't have worked. I probably would have gone on to something else, but I don't know what, you know, I, I wasn't like hell bent on making this program work, if that makes sense. So and again, this isn't about me. So that's why they showed up and did what they did. I'm there. I'm part of that solution that makes it, it bu bubble and fizz, but it's not all me, right? Um, and that, I think, in the last couple of, in the last year or so, that's just gotten clearer and clearer and clearer. And it is powerful because it allows you to, to show up in just a different way and trust what the person's going through. And if it's not all about you, it also has a lot less pressure. So you can see more clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, you say that it's gotten clearer and clearer throughout time, but like it's at the very beginning, did you feel like it's, it has a lot to do with ego. A lot of people think it's about them, right? And they're just, they're so scared about thinking what other people are gonna think about them, but those people are worried <laughs> thinking about themselves. So did you like identify as a perfectionist or anything at one point and then at, at some point and like magical moment you were just like f it <laughs> it's not about me I'm here to serve these people how did you like work through that especially this is like something that I need to learn from you because I think it's even more pressure when it has to do with people I know so like I've already laid down the law with my family I'm like I will not work for family because it scares the crap out of me the relationship of family is way more important to me than if we like disagree about how your book should be done and so like I know it's not really bookkeeping in this instance, it was more so coaching, but did you have a little bit more pressure because they were your friends? Well, so Karen is my friend and I would just say that Karen, um, and she knows this, but like, I still wondered, like, do you really know? Like I, Karen is on a pedestal to me. Like Karen is not a, a normal person in any way. Um, she's brilliant in what she does. And she is like a beautiful, grounded soul. So Karen doesn't carry pressure because she's Karen. Um, but also Karen was very clear in her intention and her expectations and the way that she showed up and everything. So I would say no for her. But if the, like if someone else joined, you know, it really has to do with like the grabbiness of their energy. Um, and I think one of the things that I've gotten better at in the last few years too is feeling these things. Because first, if you're not even listening to your thoughts, you're certainly not feeling your body, right? Your body tells you so many things if you can listen to it. And a lot of times we can't listen to it because on small and big levels, we are so outside of our body because we're so in our heads and our heads are they're not the thing, right? So we've got to get ourselves out of like, I want to call it trauma. And I think like sometimes that word can sound dramatic, but I think if we can start to realize that small traumas are still traumas and that our body still has trauma response, that you can have trauma response from just a very stressful corporate environment, right? Like, and trauma, of course, is a spectrum and gets greater and greater in different ways. But if you are just running yourself ragged and always just trying to do the bare minimum to get by, you're not letting yourself feel and then you're losing like, a, a strong sense of self and guidance. Um, so I pay attention to the feelings and I can feel what other people are asking of me now. So Karen wasn't grabby. Like I knew that she wasn't looking at me to come and fix her whole life. Um, I do get approached with that type of um, energy now in, in all areas, you know, 
and I'm, I'm keenly aware of it. Like it's, it, it gives my body a response. And then I, instead of saying like, yes, come here, I will help you. I will do everything. I can guarantee you results. I can do this in a month. I'm like, almost no, you know, it's almost a shoving out, except you know that I'm like one of the, one of the things that I do pretty well is say no in a very nice way. Right. Like we've been dropping some Mm -hmm. scripts in the group of ways to say, like, I'll give an example. It's, um, it was like, how do you deal with somebody asking for your phone number? And I'm like, context, please. And it's like, well, this person is asking why my phone number is not on my website. Who is this person? Oh, this person is somebody that just came into my DMs that I don't know that wants me to hop on a call today to talk about their urgent bookkeeping needs today. And they're frustrated. I'm like, that is why we don't have phone numbers on our websites, because those are the people who want to use them. So here's how you respond to this person. Hi, so-and-so, my calendar is full today. The first step in getting booked is filling out this form. Once you do that, you'll be able to book based on my availability. If you need somebody sooner, I totally understand. Best wishes on your search. It's like, I don't have time for you without saying that, right? So I'm, and again, because there's no judgment, this is neutral. I'm just aware that you're asking something of me and you're sourcing your power, like your whole power externally. And I can feel that you're, you're feeling in need. And unfortunately, because this is really something that's like a universal truth that upsets me. It feels unfair that the more you need, the more desperate you are, the harder it will be. And so I'm like, you're actually so, so I would rather not take your money. You know, I would rather that you find somebody who maybe will get into the trenches with you. Like, I don't know who they are, but like, maybe we'll do it or that you just at least keep your money to slow down. So I put up, um, I, I can feel it. And I put up systems that screen people and, and I have conversations that say, take your time. And I say, honest truths, I can't guarantee you that. You know, you might need this and that more because again, this, this isn't actually about the transaction for me. Um, and my marketing strategies in terms of making it hard to purchase, they work, but they're very non-traditional. Um, so like in the online marketing space, it blows people's mind the way that they see me barricade my programs. Like you will not get a link to purchase my program until you have agreed and filled out an application and like we're we're very clear you know and this application it's real like it can be it can come through logically wrong and then I will look at it and if there's something you know outside of that I'll send you the links and decide but I'm choosing it are you getting the links or not you know because I need to make sure that you're not grabbing and desperate because that leads to frustration for both of us and it it dilutes the program because if I bring somebody in who's wrong, who's then frustrated, then I'm frustrated because I've spent time and now I've, if, if I refund for whatever reason, which I, I don't, you know, but if I were going to, then I'm paying bank fees and I'm frustrated because that money's already been budgeted and allocated and pr- probably put back into the business. Then my attention is on that and not on helping the right people that I actually can help. And now I'm frustrated instead of clean and clear, right? So. Um, on that side of things in that capacity, no. But again, all of this is has been a muscle. And one of the questions that you asked was um, perfectionism. So like, it made me smile. I'm like, really? You're going to ask me if I used to be a perfectionism? I was silently competing with my older sister getting straight A's until she didn't. That's when the bar got lowered enough. I cried about a B minus. I was just listening to me telling this story somewhere on a podcast, but I was sobbing in my apartment over a B minus. I was so mad at the teacher because there was something kind of unjust that was going on there. I used to alphabetize the magnets in my kid's room. And like there, I used to make sure that things were absolutely perfect before I felt um, good enough to show them. Right. And all it took for me with that was I was in this program with, it was Rachel and Gome. I talk about her in the first coaching program that I was in kind of a lot, but she um, was directive. And again, I'm a good student, right? So she's like, she had a lot of messaging and just like one liners that I didn't debate. Like when she said it to me, I was like, awesome. And that's gospel and let's go. She was, she always said, um, messy is better than perfect. Like done is better than perfect. Take some messy action. Like it doesn't matter. That's how you learn, you know? And, and I, I use a lot of that messaging. And I think 
you know, to be fair, I, I don't think that any of that was even necessarily from her. She is a big Tony Robbins follower and she is a former like division one athlete. So she would have learned all of those things in sports. I didn't play sports because I didn't feel good enough because I wasn't willing to mess it up and embarrass myself and not be the best. So I, I sat myself out of a lot of things, including ballet in third grade, you know, I, and, and I think that's why I can see it and speak to it. And so confidently say there is another choice because I changed my mind. And that's, that's like how you started it with like, when did you choose the path of resistance? So the path of least resistance for me was to quit or not start ballet and tell myself you're in third grade. They've been doing it since first grade. The path of least resistance is to never join a sport so that you don't fail. Where on earth does that get you? And who on earth wins and who cares? So like you talked about ego too. Like for me, one of the biggest wake up calls was, and I feel like I did this in my own head, but there might've been something externally that made it click where I was like, Katie, they don't care. You're over here thinking that like, if you fall on the field that anybody cares, they are busy thinking about them. They don't care that much about you. And as harsh as that is for me, it's also very freeing. I'm like, good. So they're not going to critique me. And they're only going to cheer once I really get their attention in the middle ground. It's not about them or me. It's about like who I'm running alongside, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from that is like, there's hope <laughs> for the perfectionist today. There's hope to like free yourself because uh, I, you talked about like choosing it's a choice, right? Like you can choose to be yes. a people pleaser and like, be like, I'm going to be perfect for this person. They're grabbing at me. So I'm going to give them what they need and, yes. and fill their every desire. But at that, like, it, what does that serve them or you? So at that choice, and this is like me preaching to myself because I need to do this, but it's like choosing boundaries and you so beautifully, just even in marketing alone, you set boundaries and are still successful like even more so successful because yes. they're happy, you're happy, you're still making money from it. Like everything is better. So yes, I, yes. Need, to, I need to tell that to myself over and over again. Face chills because it's all of that. And I'm glad that you just recapped it because I was going to say the thing about choice and I want to I wanna go more on choice. But, but like you said, like it works and I'm still successful. It's actually, I believe it's what makes me successful because again, unfortunately, like this is more for coaching than, than anything else. But like the more that you, cause I'm picturing like your body swaying, right? The more that you try to help one person, the less people you can help, right? If there's like a crowd of people over here and somebody's pulling on my sweater, I'm over here, right? I, I actually have to shake that person off my sweater again, both for them, because I can't do that for you long-term. I, I will then enable you. And I've heard I'm not sure who to give this credit to, but like I've been hearing about being pulled down with somebody versus maintaining, like staying grounded where you are to call them up, right? So again, it's not mm -hmm. from judgment or like, ew, don't touch me or ew, I'm not going to get into that with you. But it's like, it would be a choice for me to get down there with you in those like low emotions or low beliefs or whatever. It, it would be a disservice to you because we would both be sitting there. Like, I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to do it for you. I'm not going to do it for me because it'll bring me back down. And then when I'm back down, all of these people who are ready to do the thing are waiting for me, you know, to climb back up. So there's, there's that piece. And, and again, this is something that like, once you see it one time play out the way you didn't think that it would, you're more likely to try going another way again. Right. So for me, it was a bunch of little provings that things could be done a different way. And then going, like almost experimental, like, well, if that worked, what else would, right? And it was kind of fun to see like, where do we go from here? What else did I think was a hard truth that's really almost the exact opposite? And I think I've probably stopped saying this thing. I've been bringing it back a little bit more, but like breaking the accountant in you, doing, if, if you're stuck in this loop of like, just being such a rule following people pleasing perfectionist that can't get ahead, that is fearful of everybody's um, judgment, disappointing anyone, quoting too high, them walking away, not doing the thing that they want you to do, like all of these things, those loops, 
I challenge you to start listening to your gut reaction and going in the exact opposite direction. My gut says they're not going to be happy with this price, so lower it. So what I should do is actually increase it. I should charge more. If I think they want it for cheaper, I should charge more. And what happens a lot is either they walk away, but I would say 50% of the time, all of a sudden they're apologizing and paying you. It, it's like dating, which like I would love to get better at, but it's like, <laughs> I get it conceptually, but you know, what's harder. And I've been thinking about more is, and what I love maybe about business is it's truly a numbers game. And you can try that numbers game over and over and over again without like attachment or actually hurting somebody or actually getting hurt or like wasting time. You're able to like go out and pitch 20 people and pitch 20 podcasts and you know, things like that and let them work or not. And they can all work at the same time and they can all fail at the same time. So relationships are harder like that, but we've all experienced them or even just like watched a lot of movies where the love story plays out. Who, who does the guy and the girl want? The one that is not desperate and caving to their every desire because they stand for something. Because mm-hmm. what they're doing must be good or they would be wavering, right? And it's the same in business because it's like, if this bookkeeper is going to let me call her right now, like if they're, if they're looking on your website, harassing you for a phone number and you give it out and they call you and you let them, that relationship, that client relationship is going to be awful underpaid, stressful, you're going to question yourself and your worth. And you're going to tie up a lot of time in somebody that's going to make you believe that they're all like that. Or you could just push them away and then go find the people who are not. And often it's like a big leap sometimes. And like, if you're charging a hundred dollars, you might need to charge $400 to leap out of their bucket completely. So that they, that kind of a person looks at your form and goes, Ugh, who does this person think she is charging this? And they don't even try to ask you for your number. You know, you've got to get into the other bucket. So you have to believe that you have to really believe or challenge yourself to believe, act as if you believe that what you want is possible, who you want to attract exists, right? And then again, the choice, which one are you going to do? There's usually when you're dabbling with something, two choices. It's I do this or ask yourself. What is the other option? You might find more, like literally write them down. What is the other option? And then you get to choose. So like, am I going to choose to let this person suck up all of my energy today and and question um, if the phone number should go on the website or maybe even edit pages to put the phone number on the website? Or am I going to choose to shut that down right away so I can get back to doing the thing that I was doing? Or even just like, it, it doesn't even have to be doing. It could just be like, not today, you know? And today I'm going to breathe and and look up and like the sky is blue and the wind is blowing. And I'm going to look at that for a minute. You know, we literally Mm -hmm. have a choice where our attention goes at all times, emotions and everything. And sometimes it's harder than others. And we should feel like we're, we're, you know, we should feel what we're feeling so that we can move it and not just like package it up because I think it stays there. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you have choices on how you feel how you act, what you believe, and absolutely the things that you say to yourself. So I think like challenging yourself to hear what you're saying, challenging yourself to look at your patterns, and then challenging yourself to challenge those patterns. You know, I would normally do this, but where has that gotten me? So today I'm going to try that. And I'm going to be okay if if this thing totally fails. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a challenge just to realize that there is two choices because that person is like, oh, this person wants my number. I have to give it to them. Wait a second. No, there's actually a second choice. Yes. So these things sound so basic. They're not like they sound so basic. Like, oh, listen to your thoughts. No, literally try to hear them. If you're not aware of what's going on in your head, that is you stay there for as long as it takes to hear the thoughts. Like, you might literally just be going around with a loop of garbage going on in your head. And, and that loop, it's like, I picture that like a, um, like a, what are they? Records, you know, like your brain is a record player and there's this record on loop. Most of our thoughts, I think, repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat to the point where they've silenced themselves, but they're there and they're looping. And what I'm saying is a lot of times, like somebody puts that record in our head. So whether that is society, parents, partners, 
bosses, teachers, sisters, I don't know where it came from, the mean girl at school, whatever, anybody's like little seed of doubt, you know, or anybody's negative thought or loop about you, it's put in there. And so it's like, you hear it. And then you're like, I like to ask myself this question. I got this from like the, this coaching program that is that I was in. And it was like, like, you're supposed to be coaching somebody through their own thoughts. And when they say something, a doubt or a fear you say, and whose voice is that? So oh, that's good. Yes. Like, and who's, who's saying that? Whose voice is that? And it's literally just that question. And that gives me goosebumps, but you can do this to yourself. So if you can hear the thought, then you can prompt yourself. Who's saying that? You're going to know as soon as you ask that the answer is going to come. It's going to be like, well, my mom, right? My mom said, um, you know, are you sure this is going to work? Like, you know, you want to be in something safe and stable. And like, what if you fail? Right. Or your teacher said, or your boss said, or your coworker said, and, and then you can identify the fact that it's not your own voice and you have permission to take that record, break it and toss it out of your ear and put on your favorite song and dance. You don't, it doesn't even need to be stop beating yourself up and switch to being hyperproductive in your business. It can be to stop beating yourself up and enjoy the exact moment that you're living in without mm -hmm. trying to fix that. Yeah. And I've talked about this on another episode, but it's worth repeating. Actually, it might've come from you or maybe a group call, or maybe it came from another podcast. I don't know. But saying that the second thought is yours. The first thought is not yours. It's your subconscious thought. And if you're like, oh, I could never own my own business. And then you're like, wait a second, I need to take this cap, this thought captive and be like, but I can. So that second thought is yours. The first thought is not yours. So it's kind of aligning with what you're saying. Yeah. But I thought that or was just, good. Or feel them out because it might be, and I, I, I'm not sure. And I'm going to try to listen, you know, to my own thoughts and, and pay attention to the order. But I think that for me, it might be that mine is first, but I quickly shut it up, it down. Like. I think I'm starting to speak and then the teacher in the front is like, no. And then I'm like, sorry, you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, I think for me, it might go the other way. And, and again, like if you, it sounds so weird and loopy, like it sounds insane. Um, these things that I'm saying, listen to your thoughts, challenge them, talk, ask yourself this, blah, blah, blah. But we're so much more, we're so much bigger. We have so much more capability than we think or that then we've been told or that we even knew sometimes I go and I like I blame and I love my parents and they they did the best they could honestly they they did great I want to do things a little bit better I, I want to do some things better for me but they did better than they should have given their circumstances you know and society too like we literally come from killing each other over food not so long ago right so like we can give ourselves grace as an evolving society that has the luxury right now of having food and shelter and water and heat and, you know, whatever else we, our basic needs are met. So we have the ability to go into how we feel and what we can create and the impact we can have on each other. That's a luxury, seriously. So, um, but we are in this state and we have this ability. And um, for me too, and I, I try not to just like, I try not to talk about religion, you know, cause I'm just aware that it can be so polarizing. And again, I don't think that there's like, I get that people were raised with their own religions and stuff. So like, how can we ever really know any of this stuff? They're all just beliefs and I don't want to polarize. But like, for me, I used to feel it was like sacrilegious um, to believe we have the power to manifest. And we, you know, like those words used to like, so repel me. So I, I don't, typically use the word manifest because I was so repelled and I think I'm probably more like lower on the spectrum than a lot of accountants in terms of like my tolerance for that and I have I had a very low tolerance for those kind of words so it made me not listen right it made me go like devil's work I'm not going to listen to this manifestation stuff like ew that sounds so wrong that you think you have the power to do blah 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 but the more I listened and, and actually entertained it coming from somebody that I otherwise liked, which is why I was listening and probably curious mostly about her marketing strategies, to be honest. And I'm like, I'll bear through this. She had this strong impact on like ways that I would think about things, exposed me to things I had never been exposed to that are kind of basic in my opinion. But um, 
it, my thing that broke me out of that. So I say this for anybody who might be stuck in like a, and I, I wouldn't even consider myself that religious, but I could imagine that, that like you would find yourself stuck in a, this is against what I've been raised. And it feels like the devil's work literally to think that you could, you have this power. God gave us that. God gave mm-hmm. us the ability to have a, all of these sensations, emotions, knowings, co-creation, like he is absolutely part of it. It was his design. So Mm -hmm. are you honoring him by, by making yourself a martyr in this life to please who? Your corporate boss, that mean, nasty potential client, the coworker that like honestly probably hates you and is vying for your promotion anyway that you might be friends with if you weren't in competition, you know, like who the, the kid from, from high school, you don't want to let him or her see you fail. So you're going to sit yourself out and make sure that you never succeed so that you don't fail. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you know, we're, we are more powerful and it's not sacrilegious. So Mm -hmm. I, I guess like through, through small little um, practices of that and seeing more proof of that, again, you just play in, hey, what else? Yeah, that's really good. I like that a lot because like you have, you have the power given to you to be able to like, there's so much abundance in this world. And I feel like kind of what you just said, you want to like take a backseat because you're afraid of of that affecting someone else, but like there's, you have to just go for your dreams and, and manifest if that's what you want to call it. But a lot of these, these people are just, they're going after their dreams and believing in themselves. Right. And everyone has the power to do that. Right. And it's not making you almighty and it's not hurting Mm -hmm. anybody else. As long as you're in integrity. I mean, like Uh if we're tipping into the online space, there's stuff that definitely happens and they're outside of integrity in my opinion, but you can feel it. You're smart enough yep. to feel that, you know, the difference and you can be different too. Mm-hmm. So, um, as long as what you're doing is actually something that benefits somebody that you're doing, what you said you were going to do, and that you are thinking about what's good, not only for you, but for the people that you're working with for hiring or whatever, as long as you're doing it integrity, um, you, you don't have to keep yourself small to make other people feel safe or to feel safe yourself. Like it is okay to try it is okay to to succeed because I think some people need to hear that I don't think I was afraid of success but the more that I hear about it the more that it makes sense and there might still be some things that are like that don't it doesn't always feel safe to succeed right um or you want to succeed but within reason you don't want to get that much attention right Mm -hmm. um and other things like I don't know. It, 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 there's just such an emotional flex that you have to do to give yourself permission to even try, give yourself permission to mess it up. And then trust that even if you do it on a small level, you do it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I love how you said do it with integrity too, because that's one of my favorite qualities about you personally is like your strong belief in ethics, because I um, just people that I've been around in the past, I feel like they think I live with rose colored glasses thinking like everyone has to do like the right thing and everyone like everyone is a good person. And they're like, no, you're going to work with people or you're going to encounter these people who have wrong intentions. And it almost makes me question in the business world, like, do these are these people more successful? And so I intentionally search out businesses and like business owners who are so ethical and have such alignment and integrity because it's so important to me. Right. And people that feel that way too, want that in the people that they're working with and people who want to bend the rules, want people to bend the rules. And so like recently, and I think it was in the the six secrets event, I was listening back to that. And I was saying that there's always a match in price. Like you can charge low. Someone needs low. You can charge high. Someone won't want to pay low right? Someone will be looking for a high price so that it has a higher perceived value or a greater level of attention or whatever it is, a higher level of expertise. They're like, good, this woman knows what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. good. She knows what she's doing. Like, I don't want to, I don't want somebody cheap because I don't want them to not know what they're doing. And I want them to do it well. And I want them to not need to be guided. And, you know, there's going to be people that want to pay more and people who want to pay less. There's going to be clients who want to bend the rules and then clients who definitely want to follow the rules so that they can trust that they are a rule follower and they don't ever want to worry about going to jail or whatever, even getting audited and being stressed out. I don't want that. I would rather overpay in taxes and sleep at night, make a little bit more money somehow and make it all work so that I'm not like waiting to get caught. I don't like that feeling. So I want somebody like who's going to help me do things like that too, but your clients are going to want that. So if they don't, it just means that they should be with somebody who can, it is their choice to be aggressive. Is it a good one? You know, I don't even know. Not in our opinion. (laughs) Right. But like, are they going to get away with it? Probably, you know, that tends to happen too. I always say that. So like, you can't force somebody to have different opinions on something that unfortunately, like taxes are subjective. They shouldn't be, but they are. And people will go, if you say no, somebody will say yes. And if they want to hear yes, they're better with the person who's going to say yes. They want to take the risk. That's a, a risk they're comfortable and they want to take. So they belong with someone else. But for every one of them, there is the exact opposite. And I guess like if I could leave with something else I've been thinking about a lot, it's that. Like there's always both sides of everything. And there's also like everything that you see in front of you today, it's maybe I should have like done more in science. I'm not like such a scientist, but I do feel like a lot of things that I do are experiments. I remember the scientific equation. I I think you might've been active in the group where I was mentioning that, right? Like is it, yeah. the, what is it called? The scientific method or whatever it is. It's the seven things. Yes. Form the hypothesis, um, you know, and then you like, you go through the things and then you test and you see like what happened and you create a new hypothesis. Uh, it is a hypothesis. Most of the things that we're doing are ideas and like experiments and let's see how they work. Through the experiment, we can see our hypothesis was right or wrong, but we know also where we went wrong. There's only so many factors. Could it be that I needed to do a little more of this or a little less of that? Did I say this when I should have said that? Should I have put a process in place up front? Should I have said something outside of that? If we can play with um, the scientific method, is that what it's called? Like, I I always mess that up. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I think I had to create like a little song in my head to remember it. And I'm just, I'm just like freezing in the moment. But like, I know those seven pieces, like research and investigate, generate possible solutions, pick and plan, model test. It was something like that. And then after the testing, you don't just call it a day when you, when your hypothesis doesn't work. In in most cases, like in science experiments in school, our teachers didn't expect our hypothesis to work. The point was to try and mess it up and then learn. So that's everything that we're doing is learning, but also by the same token, every single thing that does work is a sample size of proof for this grand scale that can work. And I think that that is something that has always been natural to me that like, I probably don't say enough that goes on in my head. If one person tells you, oh my gosh, I love your post, 100 are thinking it, probably more. And especially because we're like, we can be global, right? We can touch the entire US with our systems. We're so lucky for that. It means that if you get proof that one thing is working, that one person appreciates it enough to have seen it, thought it and said it, you are impacting other people. If one person fills out your form, a hundred are going to follow, maybe more. If one client signs with you, you can bet you're gonna end up with 20 right? Like, and, and I always extrapolate the data. I always do that. I'm like, Ooh, I can't believe that worked given the small amount of effort that I put into that. Now I'm just going to boost it up. I'm going to do more of that, you know, or on the unseen things, like believing that your content is making a difference. If you get proof, you just keep doing it because you can bet that people are silently observing and it's, it's impacting. And lately, I like to give that out. So like I just messaged this girl with like a pretty large account, like 40,000 followers. She's just a fitness coach. I don't plan to hire her. I don't plan to have her as a client, but I'm just thinking something nice. So I'm saying it to give her that boost to keep doing her thing. That's a way that you can support people. And when you give out more of that, just naturally, it's going to come back to, you know, so give the compliments, give the encouragement, help other people out. 
it will only give positive outcomes. Yeah. So basically, Katie just gave us a free coaching call. Yeah. <laughs> that was all so good. Um, so if you are a bookkeeper and you're interested in Katie's um, programs, and I'll be linking them um, so that you guys can go check those out. She has Become a Bookkeeper, which teaches you the technical skills, and Libby, which is Life by the Books, and teaches you how to build a bookkeeping business. If you're not a bookkeeper, I still think this episode was so valuable because like, you talked you about nothing bookkeeping. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> but it all applies to bookkeeping. It applies yeah. to all businesses. It applies to life in general without having a business, which is so cool. Yeah. But thank you so much for your time. Before we leave, do you want to tell us the name of your podcast and your Instagram handle? Yeah, Instagram is at Orderly Accounting by Katie. And the podcast you can find in the link in the bio there, but it's Profits and Prosecco. And it's the plus sign. So Profits plus Prosecco, if you're looking that up. Perfect. Thank you so much, Katie. I had fun talking with you today. Thank you. Me too. They're always so fun. Did anyone get goosebumps from that episode or was it just me? Well, if you made it to the end, I want to thank you because Katie sounded amazing, but I know the sound on my end was a little wonky. I bought a microphone. We are moving up in this world. There's only room for improvement. We're figuring it out together. So let's talk about today's takeaways. First off, I love how Katie says in the very beginning of the episode that she had been following the path of least resistance for a while until she looked up and realized it wasn't taking her where she wanted to go. Okay, so takeaway one. Sometimes taking the path of resistance means listening to the signs around you and taking the leap of faith. Katie didn't intentionally walk into this dream of having her own bookkeeping business, but she rode the wave of fortunate circumstances, and now she screams from the rooftops what is possible for other women. Two, Katie talks about coaching people whose circumstances are very different from hers, which makes sense because her story is so unique with her being pregnant, getting in the car accident, and then being paid to quit her job. But she guides people through their unique journey by knowing hers unfolded for her in her way, and it will unfold in just the right way for each person in their unique set of circumstances. Number three, at one point, Katie is talking about how low numbers related to your audience and how sometimes that isn't necessarily bad if people are engaged. She also mentions how she asked her audience what they wanted her to do and then did what they wanted. I want to pause here and say that again. She asked her audience what they wanted and then did what they wanted. It can be as simple as that when marketing for a brand. Number four, I feel like Katie's story at first glance doesn't align with the path of resistance. It seems like she was handed lucky options and chose the obvious route. First when quitting her corporate job and then second when she started coaching bookkeepers. When you look at Katie's story, I don't want you to think, man, she got lucky. You should be inspired by her because that can be you too. The path of resistance doesn't always have to be hard necessarily. In Katie's case, it was listening to the signs around her and the path of resistance comes in when she actually had to put the work in. The path of resistance is simply being intentional in the actions you take and Katie is a very intentional person. You see this when she later talks about setting boundaries in place for her programs to make sure that people are the right fit and if they aren't, politely telling them no. You guys, I'm talking just as much to myself when I say this, but putting boundaries in place and saying no is life-changing. It is part of the path of resistance lifestyle that you want to live. Number five, act in optimism, plan in pessimism. Katie has a whole podcast episode expanding upon this idea. Check out her podcast, Profits and Prosecco, if you want to learn more about this concept. It's a good one. Number six, listen to your thoughts. There are at least two choices in everything you do. Ask yourself, what will happen if I do this and what will happen if I don't? When you listen to your thoughts, ask yourself, whose thought is that? Number seven, we are so much bigger. We are so much more. We have so much more capability than we think we do. Number eight, do all things in integrity. Doing things in integrity doesn't have to keep you small. I always say this at the end of episodes, but I truly mean it. If you had a different takeaway, please email me or DM me on Instagram and let me know what that takeaway was. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in today's episode. See you next time.